Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, thank you all for joining us on Shelf Logic, the Maricopa County Library Department podcast. I'm Tim, a library assistant at Litchfield Park, and I'm joined by Caroline, a library paraprofessional also at Litchfield Park. Today we will be discussing some classic Silver Age to Bronze Age Marvel Comics properties and where they are today. In particular, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, Captain America, Volume 1 and Volume 2 by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and Miss Marvel by Saladin Ahmed, uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2. All of these titles are available on Hoopla. So Caroline, to begin with, what was, before reading for the podcast, your history with Spider-Man? All right, so my history with Spider-Man, I did have a Spider-Man comic book when I was younger, but most of it had to do with the um, animated TV shows and also the live action um, Spider-Man show in the 70s. Um, one of the ones that I watched that I really, really enjoyed was um, the Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Iceman and Firestar. I think I saw all of those episodes. And um, I remember the older one where you got the song that everybody sings, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. And then the one from the 1990s, um, that mm -hmm. Spider-Man, I really, really enjoyed. With the revised version of that classic theme where it's like, Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just very, uh, very techno. Yes, exactly. And yeah. Oh, and of course, uh, I've seen all the um, Sam Raimi directed Spider-Man movies and the new Tom Holland ones, but I, I never saw the um, Andrew Garfield ones. The first Andrew Garfield one's pretty good. It the is? The second one, not as much. <laughs> okay. No, I felt like it was too close to the Sam Raimi ones to be redoing them. And so I was like, and I don't know, I didn't see... Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I did, it just didn't click in my mind, so. Yeah, well, so essentially what I'm, I'm getting from that is that you're more of a multimedia Spider-Man fan. Yes. As opposed to just straight comics. Correct. Um, that all being said, uh, what were your thoughts on the first volume, uh, Back to Basics by Nick Spencer? Okay, well, um, the beginning of it is like a rundown of Spider-Man's backstory, and it is exactly what we already know. I, I liked it, and, and I liked all of the Spider-Man um, graphic novels that uh, we read, um, but I, I liked it because it is just so what I remember of Spider-Man, what I know of Spider-Man. The things like um, at the beginning of the comic, he'll be like, oh, everything's going great for me today, finally, everything's wonderful, and by the end, everything's falling apart. So that is just so Peter Parker. So, yeah. Yeah, very classic Spider-Man story with, uh, slight spoiler alert, Spider-Man getting split into Spider-Man and Peter Parker, uh, and you're left with each of them having a little of both, but mm -hmm. mainly, the Spider-Man version having the power and the Peter Parker version having the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And the old adage that's time-worn throughout Spider-Man history is, with, with great, great power, power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. That's an adage that 
really works for Spider-Man, obviously, and you really get the sense of it, because without that responsibility, Spider-Man is just all jokes, all wisecracking, mm -hmm. and very little care. Right. And I think that's, it's, it's refreshing to see a superhero whose, uh, as, whose focus is as much on responsibility as it is having fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in our last podcast, we both really got that same sense from like uh, the Superman run. Right where he's very responsible and he enjoys being that person too. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely, with, with, with Superman, he's definitely the Boy Scout, he's definitely um, wants to help everyone. Yeah. He will even help the bad guys, yeah. yes. And I think Spider-Man comes across very similarly in mm -hmm. this opening volume. Um, and it's just classic Spider-Man. It's, it's exactly what you expect from a Spider-Man mm -hmm. story. And I, I mean that in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have all of the characters that you know and love. Um, he, I guess in, in an earlier um, graphic novel, he had broken up with MJ and he's back with her. And he's trying to decide if he's going to go back to um, school. And Doc Connors is there, of course, the lizard. And just those kind of characters that I remember seeing in the um, animated shows. Yeah, and I think it balances it all pretty well. Uh, and then we move into more of Peter Parker's home life, because he's currently sharing an apartment with Robbie Robertson and the supervillain Boomerang, uh, who's been pardoned due to some events from previous... Uh, previous big universe events going on mm -hmm. in the Marvel Universe. He's now pardoned and he's able to live uh, in an apartment in New York City and he's there with Peter Parker and Robbie and that brings us to Spider-Man Volume 2 Friends and Foes where the main crux of the story involves Boomerang taking Peter Parker who he knows as Spider-Man's former photographer. And he doesn't realize that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, yes. but Peter Parker knows that he is Boomerang. Yes, and he takes him to a pub trivia night that's all about Spider-Man, but the important thing to realize is that this pub is the bar with no name where supervillains congregate and can relax together. Mm -hmm. And so Peter Parker is in the bar with no name uh, doing Spider-Man trivia with a supervillain who's his roommate. Right. Uh, and obviously things spiral out from there. So mm -hmm. what did you think of volume two? No, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, well, what I think is interesting, and this is something that is in, again, I keep on talking about all of the um, um, graphic novels that we read, but this is, I guess, now part of the Marvel comic book universe is that the kingpin is now the mayor yes and he's still running the underworld as well as being the mayor of yes. new york yeah. and at one point he um is upset with boomerang and um like sends i think he sends like a text out to all the bad guys saying i want boomerang and you have this panel where everybody's like stops in the bar with no name and looks at their phone at the same time and they're like, oh, there's a bounty on Boomerang now. <laughs> yeah. Let's get him, he's right in front of us. Which leads to the main crux of volume two, which is the fight in the bar with no name. Yeah. 
and it's it's all very funny. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's very. Uh, it's less classic than the previous volume, but in the in its own way, it's as classic because mm-hmm. it's just Spider-Man having a wacky adventure right. in a weird situation. Yeah, that's totally what it's about. Yeah. And then we move to Volume Three, Lifetime Achievement, which delves deep into Spider-Man history by giving J. Jonah Jameson the spotlight. And J. Jonah, in the current continuity, has changed somewhat in that he's a uh, podcast-slash-radio personality who is very pro-Spider-Man. Yeah, and that is so funny because they have like these panels of him and you're expecting him to say, Spider-Man is a menace to society and studies like Spider-Man is saving us all. Exactly. <laughs> he's exactly the same character. Uh-huh. He's just flipped his view to be pro-Spider-Man. Right. Uh, it gets a little into why and the history of it, but not too much. Mm-hmm. It mostly just says this is where it's at now. Yeah. And it doesn't alter the history at all, which is where most of the the action from this volume comes mm-hmm. from, in that somebody from J. Jonah and Spider-Man's past has gathered together the Scorpion, the Spider-Slayer armors, and everything, and they're going to uh, cause, they're going to kill Spider-Man. Yeah, and I had no idea that Jameson had funded the creation or created himself all of these um, villains to kill off Spider-Man. I had no idea he had done that in the past. Yeah, he funded the uh, the Smythe family and the creation of the Spider-Slayers, and he uh, almost directly caused the creation of the Scorpion in that he funded and found Matt Gargan and had him take the suit on and become the Scorpion. Uh, he didn't do the actual science for it, but he did everything else pretty much. Okay. Uh, and um, I have a fun fact for you, and I think this is a fact. Um, uh, Tim is not totally convinced of it, but that um, J. Jonah Jameson, at least his look, is actually based on Stan Lee. And um, I have seen an interview where Stan Lee had said that he had wanted to play J. Jonah Jameson in one of the um, Spider-Man movies, but he was too old to do it. Yes, and while I don't know if it's true for a fact, anecdotally, it does work pretty well. And Stan Lee is both bombastic and when he was younger was graying at the temples mm-hmm. uh, just like J. Jonah and was the editor for Marvel Comics. Right. So a lot of things add up to making that making that mm-hmm. probably accurate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what were your overall views on our three Spider-Man volumes? Um, they were my favorite of all of the um, graphic novels. They were just so much fun, and it's just so funny. And it's it's interesting how Spider-Man has his, it's like he has his own little world within the Marvel comic book world, where you can have like the evil's most evil villain, and in another comic, but yet in Spider-Man's world, he's like this bumbling idiot. Yeah, so we run into the Kingpin in Spider-Man, and he's still the Kingpin, but he's also like getting into arguments with Boomerang, who's a resolutely silly character, and they have weird arguments about that and everything, and he's much more fits in with the Spider-Man universe. 
Whereas in our next topic, we also see the kingpin and he's a bit more sinister right. and severe and right. what you would think of as the kingpin mm -hmm. in a guest shot in the Ta-Nehisi Coates Captain America volume one and two. Um, so getting into Captain America, what is your history with the character? With Captain America, I remember, if I dig it out of my comic book collection, I'm sure I could find it. It was like a, a bicentennial comic book, and on the cover you see Captain America and the Falcon, and they're like coming at you, and in the middle is the Liberty Bell. And so that's what I, my view of Captain America. Besides all of, I've seen all the Captain America um, Marvel Universe uh, movies and I even remember seeing when I was a kid on TV the real cheesy um, Captain America movie so that's kind of where I'm coming from with him yeah and I think this is definitely more like if you're watching the Falcon and Winter Soldier right now or whenever you're listening to this if you've watched the Marvel movies or watched that show this is much more in that vein I have just recently um, read a review of the last episode of um, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and it had a very, very startling ending. And that ending was, they said, much like the, I hope I say his name right, Tana Nisi Coates, Coates um, run on Captain America. Very much about social issues and how America is seen um, by the world. Yes, and Captain America always has that undercurrent of dealing with the prescient issues of the day. And it's just in the Silver Age, it was a bit more colorful and a, the adventures were a bit more out there. Mm -hmm. Whereas in modern day, the books are, you still have the colorfully dressed characters. In the first volume, Captain America fights the Taskmaster, who's a man who wears a skull mask mm -hmm. and can copy any move that you do. Right. <laughs> so it's still got some of the, uh, some of the more comic booky elements to it, but it is very much a serious, maturely told story. And there was something that I was very happy to see. And when you're watching, or looking at, rather, on Hoopla, a um, graphic novel, they will give you all of the covers and all the cover variants for the different comic books. And my favorite um, comic book artist did the covers, and that's Alex Ross. Yeah, they're very beautiful covers. Yeah, he's, he's very hyper-realism, um, and he paints all of his... Uh, covers in his comic books and, and they're just beautiful. And the covers really go well with the actual volumes mm -hmm. because it's much more realistic storytelling right. and it's the covers reflect that and mm -hmm. even with the big bombastic character you still get this Captain America feels probably the most real of it all does. three. It does. And that's for good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, so in Volume 1, Captain America, at the end, is framed uh, for murder. And in Volume 2, we open with Cap in a prison for supervillains. And almost all of the story for Volume 2 takes place there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, uh, 
a very very interesting uh, story. I know you you enjoyed uh, Jack O' Lantern. Yeah, it seems like every time I read a comic book, I see a villain that has like a weird head, and so this is like a Jack O' Lantern head guy, and he's like in the background, and you have everybody else, and they're all like. Um, shooting pool or something, and he has a head that's a jack-o'-lantern, like a flaming jack-o'-lantern. We, we mentioned that because in our last podcast, Caroline and I reviewed The Green Lantern by Grant Morrison, and in the, that vo- those volumes, there is a Green Lantern with a volcano for a head. Right. And so now whenever we review a comic book, there uh-huh. always just seems to be a random character with a insert blank for a head. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's always like flaming or exploding or something. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Volume 2? I thought Volume 2 was, it was interesting in, you have Steve Rogers who has a very well-defined um, idea of right and wrong. And he really doesn't like being with the villains because he's like, well, these people are all wrong. They are all villains. And then as he goes, he kind of realizes that maybe they have more to their lives or the personalities than that. And in the end, he has to become captain again and um, be the one that leads a um, rebellion to be able to get out of the prison. There's a very nice moment in this volume where when the prison break does start and the supervillains are sort of rebelling, they Captain America just thinks to himself, he's like, you never know who's going to be a hero. Right. And I think that's a very nice sentiment in the mm-hmm. middle of a pretty like dark story. Mm-hmm. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Out of the three, this is the one series that I have the individual issues for. Mm-hmm and I, I quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Caroline, what is your history with Miss Marvel? Well, with Miss Marvel, um, I had the very about two, three, four first um, comics of Ms. Marvel when she first came out in the 1980s, but that was Carol Danvers. That was what we consider to be Captain Marvel now. And Tim will tell you that I have a tendency with Captain Marvel to call her Ms. Marvel still, even though I know that's not Ms. Marvel, that um, Kamala is now Ms. Marvel in the new comics. I think that's pretty telling of um, Kamala's character in that you would you still think of like Captain or Captain Marvel as Miss Marvel, but mm-hmm. Kamala is also makes a pretty strong case for herself. As, oh, she's she is a hero. Yeah. She's very young, but she has all the right stuff to be a hero. And I think one of the key things about these two volumes that we're reviewing is the sense of family that you get from them, mm-hmm. um, and the sense of just old school Marvel storytelling, where. She goes off on adventure for uh, another world where she encounters uh, a possible love interest and also uh, this big like destiny uh, paradox almost. Uh, And then she comes back and her father in volume two is very ill and Doctor Strange has to help her. And she's caught in this situation where she has to decide 
between saving somebody who hates her mm -hmm. or going back to help her father heal. And if she goes back to help her father, the other person dies, uh, even though they hate her. And what she chooses is, again, a very classic Marvel choice. Mm -hmm. And I've, I enjoyed both volumes quite a bit. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts overall on them? Um, I liked the sense of family. Um, she is so dedicated to her, her mother and father. And I also liked how she's still young. She's still a teenager, like high schooler. And she will have like a friend who has become a villain. And they'll be in the middle of fighting. And then the villain will say, wait a second, there's something, your father's ill? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. You know, and truly mean it. Yeah. And that, I think that's very, that's very interesting. And, but when I think about it, it's also, like you said, it's a very Marvel thing because you could get, almost get the same thing with, with Peter Parker and Spider-Man and Peter Parker's dedication to Aunt May. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing as Kamala's dedication to her mother and father. Yeah, it's she's a very classic Marvel hero in a very modern day setting and I think they they gel very well together. And I really I really enjoyed these comics just because of how classic and heroic they felt. And overall, I think that Kamala and the Miss Marvel title as a whole is a really really good indicative direction for where I think most Marvel comics should be at. Obviously that doesn't work for all of them. Captain America is, uh, it just, I think it works as well with mature storytelling. Uh, but overall, I, I really enjoy all three of these volumes, all three of these. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I liked um, reading all of them. Yes. So that, I believe, brings us to the end of our review. Yes, unfortunately, because yeah. um, we've enjoyed uh, talking together. Tim and I always enjoy doing these podcasts, and we hope you, you enjoy listening to them. I'd like to thank um, everyone for listening today, and thank you, Tim, for being a great collaborator. Um, there are many other Marvel graphic novels you can borrow on Hoopla besides the ones we have highlighted here today. And if you're enjoying um, watching some of the um, um, Marvel uh, television shows right now, like um, WandaVision, then um, you might want to try borrowing Vision Volume 1, um, Little Worse Than a Man from Hoopla. Also, um, there are some... Um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier um, hoopla graphic novels. You could borrow Falcon, Take Flight, or um, Winter Soldier Volume 1, The Longest Winter. Um, like I said, many, many Marvel graphic novels to choose from on hoopla. Um, Tim and I have only uh, presented a small sample of those. So thank you very much for joining us, and we hope you will join us again for more podcasts. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.